When I lived in L.A., I heard about a DMT group that I met once a month on my street. So I joined it, and, and it was great. We'd meet once a month. We'd do DMT. And for those of you who have never done DMT, you peak up front. Like normally a drug, you sort of like take it, you start going up and up and up, and you start going down and down. It's like a bell curve. With DMT, it's like a straight rocket up, and then it'll slow down. So, you know, we, we smoked it, and it takes five seconds to hit. And it's like this. Five, four, three, two, one! Ah! And it's terrifying. It's the most terrifying drug I've ever taken. But if you can get past the terror, you hit this really incredible place. And I, I think of it as practicing for death. I think the terror that you feel is the terror of dying. And you work through it. And then like when you die, you're not going to be so scared. That's my theory anyway. But we would do DMT, and it was kind of like therapy. Like, it was better than therapy. But it somehow helped me process my feelings. And at a certain point, some people in the group started talking about mixing drugs. And they were saying, you know, LSD and ecstasy is really good together. And I was like, really? Okay, I'll try it. So one session, instead of doing DMT, I did LSD and ecstasy together. And ecstasy makes you really, really talkative and really need to share everything. And LSD does what LSD does. And I'm on it, and there was this woman in the group that I was attracted to, and I had to tell her. And the woman who was running the group, the moderator person, she was like, you can't talk to other people because you're going to mess with their trip. But I was... I was tripping and I was like, no, I need to tell her. She needs to know this. She wants to know this at another level that you don't understand because you're not tripping. You don't understand. This needs to happen right now. And she was like, no, no. And I was like, also, I need to call my mother and tell her how much I love her. And she was like, no, you can't call anybody while you're on drugs. And I was like, no, you're wrong. You don't know because you're not on drugs. But uh, it became a scene. And I basically confessed to the woman that I had a crush on her. And the moderator was really mad at me. And she said, it wasn't a safe space anymore. And I had ruined it for everybody. And I felt horribly ashamed and guilty and also angry and resentful and confused. And I just had this kind of weird existential crisis. And I was thinking, is there something wrong with me? Maybe there's something wrong with me. And I asked one of my friends, is there something wrong with me? And he said, yeah, there's something wrong with you, totally. <laughs> I was like, thanks. And I asked another friend and he said, yeah, but what's wrong with you is also what's great about you. Like you can't get rid of the wrong without getting rid of the great, which was more helpful actually. But I had this existential crisis and I realized I really had lost my will to live. And I also thought, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get sick and die because my life force is ebbing. And it had always been fueled by art and by some notion of art being my religion or something. And it just wasn't working for me anymore. Like, I wasn't feeling it. It wasn't satisfying me anymore. And I was like, what do I need? What do I need? And I was like, I think I need to get married and have children. That's what I need. 
I never wanted children. I'd always just a monk for art. But I realized I needed to be connected to humanity and to be grounded and to the ancestors and to future generations. And I was like, I need to get married and have children. And then I met Mandy and I was like, okay, it's you. And she didn't really want to marry me, but I hung in there and I eventually talked her into it. And she didn't want to have children, but I talked her into that. And we got married and we had children. And then we got divorced, but I'm so glad that that happened.